0: Good morning everybody, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, good to be each, uh, with each and every one of you today and trust that you've been praying for the service today and will continue uh, to pray for the remainder of the day. I'd like to read to you a few verses this morning from First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17 and I want to begin in verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighs six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. I'd like to speak to you this morning, the Lord would bless us for a little while, on shields. Here in the last part of this passage that we read, it mentioned that here Goliath, had someone going before him that was carrying a shield. Now, if you think about the armor that has been described of Goliath, to start out with, he tells us that his height was six cubits and a span, that means Goliath was somewhere around nine and a half to ten foot tall, and he had all of this armor on, had this helmet. He had this target, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later on, this target. He had brass. He had all this coat of mail. There have been ones who have taken this account here and said the armor of Goliath weighed approximately 125 pounds. Now, it would take a pretty good-sized man just to hold up that much armor. Of course, as we said, he was 10 foot tall, a big dude. I mean, he didn't meet much armor. And his spearhead the 600 shekels of iron, that's about 16 pounds. His sword weighed, some estimates, 4 to 6 pounds. So here's a big guy with a whole bunch of armor that you don't know how to, you're going to beat him in the first place. But then on top of that, it says there that he had one bearing a shield that went before him. Now, why in the world would you need a separate person to bear a shield? In that day in time, in, in the warfare, the hand-to-hand combat that they had, everybody using spears and, and swords and that bow and arrow, uh, the one bearing the shield was very important. Now, that shield of that day and time, to to give a good description of a think of a door. Because that's about what it was. It was, you know, about two to three foot wide, six to seven foot tall. Goliath may have been a little bit bigger than that. But here was this big piece of wood, very large in size. Usually it was made out of wood. Sometimes they would take a wood frame and they would put leather or some animal skin on it uh, other times they put other materials on it to make it very uh, very durable against the arrows and the spears that was thrown by others and it was so heavy so big that a separate person had to carry it because a person couldn't carry that big of a of a piece of wood and metal and still be free to fight so a sword, uh, excuse me, a shield-bearer had to go before him to protect him. Now, think about in a battle, if you had, let's say, a thousand soldiers, every one of them had a shield and a shield-bearer before them, and all of those would go up to battle and they could stand next to each other, you'd have, basically you'd have a wall. And so they could just start advancing across the battlefield. And it would just look like a solid wall coming to the enemy. And if you just had bow and arrows and spears, how are you going to stop the enemy that was coming? So if you had a whole bunch of Goliaths coming, that with all that armor, and you had them all coming with, with this wall coming towards you, it'd look pretty hopeless, wouldn't it? Now, I've seen movies of of. Warfare in that day and time, and perhaps you have too. The only way you could get at those men was to throw your spear or your arrow over the top and let them come down. And many times, those armor bearers, those shield bearers, their shield would have a, a curved top to it, or they'd add a part to top to stop the sword or the arrows from coming over that way. So that's a pretty good defense, isn't it? In that day and time. That was very good, solid warfare. Now, what some of the soldiers also had, and we're going to see this term here in just a few moments, but there's also another piece of defense armor that was called a buckler. Now, what a buckler was, a buckler was a small shield that was about 18 inches in diameter, and this small shield was one that was worn on the arm, a lot of times it had a had a, uh, a couple of straps that a soldier could put his hand through those straps and hold on to, to some part of it made him to hold on to, so he could have that small personal shield in one arm to fend off a knife or a sword in hand-to-hand combat and have his right hand available for being able to, to kill the enemy. So here is a well-equipped soldier. With a shield and a buckler, and if you had somebody like Goliath coming at you, you'd be fearful, wouldn't you? Now, if you look over in in the same chapter, and look in verse forty-one, it says, "And the Philistine, this is Goliath, the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him." I'd never noticed this till this week. About Here's this man carrying the shield, and when David and Goliath come to battle, what happened to this guy? Here's a guy that's bearing a shield. He's going before Goliath. He's taking his shield. He's before Goliath. And they come up to the point, and David here is going to meet him in battle. David's a young guy, a young young kid. You know, late teens, maybe early 20s. Here's David, the shepherd boy. He puts on the the armor that that King Saul had provided. He put it on and said, I can't fight in this. I haven't fought in this before. You know, I, he, terms he uses, I haven't proved it yet. So he put it off. So here, whatever a shepherd wears, that's what David was going out. And he takes a slingshot. And it says he takes five smooth stones and puts in his bag to use for, for uh, his uh, weapons against Goliath. Now, some people have tried to spend a lot of time talking about the significance of those five stones. Uh, some people say that, well, David was given a, a, a figure of the five doctrines of grace Well, I'm a little bit more uh, practical about that. Uh, Goliath had brothers. (laughs) You know, uh, and if David was short on faith, which he wasn't, I don't believe, in this time, uh, if I was going into battle, I'd take at least five in case I missed with the first four. You know, I want to be sure. I don't know that there's any great spiritual significance of those five smooth stones that David took. It only took one with God's help. So as they come up to battle, Goliath here, and this is what I think happened, and this is my opinion, here's what I think happened to Goliath. He got up to fight David. Here's his armor bearer, and he sees David, just a youth, not a a soldier, but just a youth, and he is just shocked, and he's, I think irritated. You know, he was expecting the biggest, meanest, ugliest, hardest fighting soldier that Israel had to come up to battle against him. Their their toughest one. And here's this little shepherd boy with no armor to fight me. You know, I'm the best. I'm the meanest. I'm the greatest soldier that's ever lived. I think when Goliath saw that, again, this is my opinion, I think he told that guy carrying his shield go back to camp I got this I don't need you anymore I don't need a shield anymore in fighting this battle I think that was a mistake don't you because Goliath needed a shield David now God could have used David to kill him even if he had the shield let me me be straight on that but here David said, and if you look uh, here in, in uh, verse 45, David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. And that was the armor of the Philistine. Here he was. He said, But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee. Now, for those of you who are a little bit squeamish, uh, y'all need to quit listening for just a few minutes, okay? Because David went on and he says, I will uh, smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air into the wild beasts." You know what David was saying? He said, after I cut your head off, All the Israelites are going to kill all of your army and we're just going to leave them out there and the birds and and the coyotes and and all these people are going to eat all the bodies of all of uh, of your army. Uh, David sounds pretty confident for just a little shepherd boy, doesn't he? You know why David sounds so confident? Because he knew it wasn't his battle. It was the Lord's battle. And here's the key. Goliath had a shield, a man-made shield. But David was using the shield of God. Now, we need to recognize the fact that in the world that we live in today, God is our shield. We live in a day and time And I agree with what Brother Kenny has said. We live in a time of uncertainty. There are people that have claimed that followers of Jesus Christ are not fit to hold public office. There are those who claim and there are bills in Congress right now that would take away every right we have to meet as a church, unless we agree to say what they want us to say. Our freedoms are being taken away. And, you know, I'm a, uh, those of you know me, I, I grew up with, with guns, and I'm not going to tell you where my guns are at or how many I have, uh, and I'll repeat this. I think I've said it here before. I heard Brother Seth say that he lost all of his guns when his boat turned over in the lake. So, so that's, that's my story, too. You know, uh, my guns are all disappeared. I don't know what happened to them, all right? Now, having said that, a government that has tanks and has missiles and rockets, do you think my little twenty-two rifle is going to win a battle against them? Now, what I'm saying is that I'm sitting here, and you're sitting here today as a David. And those that be against us are armed like Goliath. You will understand the parallel I'm putting here? How can you and I hope to not only survive, but to win the battle that we're in today? How can we hope to survive? Well, we need a shield. We need a shield. Go back to Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, and in Genesis chapter 14, to set this up, in Genesis chapter 14, Lot had already left Abraham. Him and Abraham had already separated And Lot had went to the well-watered plains towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He followed what his eyes saw, what he thought would bring him riches, you know, happiness and wealth. And he had went over in that way. There came a time when all of those of Sodom and Gomorrah was captured by kings and Lot and his family was carried off. And Abraham took 300 men of his household that was all trained and they went after the armies. And they rescued Lot. And brought them back and freed all of them. And that's when Abraham had his meeting with Melchizedek. That's when he refused to take anything of pay from from the king of, of Sodom. And then when you get into chapter 15, listen what the Lord tells Abraham. Chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, after these things. After that, well, I've just briefly described to you. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. Do we need an encouragement today to fear not? Have you had any fears this week about what's going to be in the future? I I have fears all the time. Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to to continue on in, in my job and take care of all these things I need to take care of? Yeah, I have a lot of fears. Am I going to be able to continue visiting churches from here and other places and enjoy the visitation? I have a lot of fears. Here, the Lord told Abram, fear not. He said, here's what God told Abram. Listen to this. I am thy shield. Now, I don't know about you, but... That's the shield I want, the shield that God provides. You know, there was a time later on in King David's life, if you turn over to 2 Samuel, late in, late in David's life, in 2 Samuel, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, and, and David had had that long life of warfare and very, very successful as a soldier. And you remember, he, he was so... Brave and brilliant in battle, so blessed to the Lord that when they came in early in his life, when they came back in the city of Jerusalem, the women even sang a song about him. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. You know, here David is a great warrior. And here in, in previous to this chapter, in chapter 21 of 2 Samuel David went out to battle, and his age was catching up with him. Uh, You know, Brother Kenny asked us to remember the elderly in our church. Uh, I just want to clarify that the people that are elderly uh, are those that are older than I am, okay? That bar keeps moving up, by the way. Every year it moves up a little bit. You know, David was getting elderly there, you know. (laughs) Uh, He was getting older. And you know how it happens when we get a little bit older, and I'm already feeling this. We can't do what we used to. But David got in a fight with some people. You know who he got in a fight with? Goliath's brothers. In this particular time, Goliath's brothers were killed by some of David's soldiers. And you know what they told David? David. And I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to add a little bit to it also. Basically what the soldiers told David, you're getting too old for this. You're going to stay at home from now on. You know, you're too old to get out in battle. You're going to have to stay at home. And so with that in mind, here David in, in chapter 22 of 2 Samuel, David, it says, spake unto the Lord the words of this song. And then the part that, that I want is in verse 3. He said, The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield. When David went to battle, he took a shield with him. Now, you remember that shield that Goliath carried? Goliath had to have that big old shield that somebody else carried in front of him. But what was the shield that David took? It was the Lord. That was David's shield. He said, I will trust in him. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. Now, when you read that about the horn of my salvation, uh, don't think that that's talking about a French horn or a saxophone. That's not the kind of the horn we're talking about. Now, if you want to know what a horn is talking about, and this is one of the things I love about the Bible that so often we need to some understanding about what the Bible is teaching. And if you want to understand what that horn means, go over to the book of Daniel. And I'm not going to turn over there, but go over to the book of Daniel, chapter 7. And David has, uh, Daniel has a dream, and he has a dream that has these beasts with ten horns on them. And the Lord interprets that for him and tells him, These horns, the ten horns are ten kings. So, what these horns represent in the scriptures is power and authority. So David says, God, you are not only my shield, you're my power and you're my authority. And he says, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior, thou savest me from violence. And I can't leave this without reading at least part of verse 4. We have a song. I guess it's in our book. It may not be in our book. but I think it's in our book. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So David says, God, you are my shield. He needs to be our shield today. Is he your shield today? He should be. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that. What does it mean to say that the Lord is my shield? Let's see what David over in Psalms had to say about that. Let's go to... uh, Psalm 91. Psalm 91, as David writes here in verse 4, talking about his Lord, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. So here is a shield, the big thing, and a buckler, the little one that you carry for personal defense, David says that he is that, but what does he say a little bit more in depth and detail this time? He said, thy truth is thy shield and thy buckler. In the world that we live in today, truth is not respected and revered. I never thought I would live to see the day that people's feelings mean more than the truth. If you want to have a shield, the shield of God, you need to stand strong on the truth of God. And this world doesn't understand the truth of God. You know, when people heard false teachings heresies and all of that stuff so long that they believe it's the truth, when they hear the truth, they're going to cry against it and say that that's error. We live in that society today. That when truth is proclaimed, it's assailed as heresy. What's the answer? What's the solution for you and I? Stand in the truth. Stand in the truth. Now, there's a question asked one time. the The Lord asked, what is truth? Where do you find truth? It's right here. It's right here. What the word of God says. That is truth. I have a lot of failings in this life. But one of the things that I have in my life that is not a failing, is whatever this book says, I believe it. I may not understand it, but I'm going to argue for the truth of this book with the Lord's help till the day I die. This is the truth, undisputed truth. This is my shield. This is where I put my strength. This is where it's at. Now, there's something else that we have uh, that that we can say is true. If we go back over, uh, I believe it's in uh, Psalm 18. In Psalm 18, David said there in verse 35, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. Our salvation is also our shield. So how can, how can salvation be a shield? You know, if you believe in truth and you proclaim the truth and you're assailed for the truth, you know there's one thing that the enemy can never do? They can never take away our salvation. Our home is in heaven. Our eternal home is in heaven. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what the enemy says, that can never, ever be taken away from us. That's a pretty good shield, isn't it? You know, let's go over to, to Ephesians chapter 6. Some of you probably wondering when I was going to get here. But Ephesians chapter 6 is where we talk about the whole armor of God. And we're going to repeat a few of these things that we've just just brought to your hearing. But, but stay with us here. Hopefully we'll bring some lessons for us that will help us in our life today. You know, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul was finishing this letter, in verse 10 he says, Finally, my brethren, you all always love it when a preacher says finally, don't you? You know, the end is near. The long, boring sermon is coming to a, to a close. Of course, those of you who have been in the church long enough know that when a preacher says finally, it don't mean a thing. So anyhow, we're going to keep going a while. All right. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Whose armor are we supposed to put on? God's armor. Now, we could stop and have a little sermon on eternal salvation right here. There's too many in this world today that when they're thinking about gaining entrance into heaven, they put on their own armor, the armor of their good works, the armor of their their accepting Christ, the armor of their baptism. All these different armors of men people rely on to get them into heaven, that ain't going to work. If you're going to get into heaven, you need the whole armor of God. God's work. But here in this life, is what this passage is really referring to. This life, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And he says, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the devil is stronger than you are. That tells me that the devil is smarter than you are. That tells me that the devil is more diligent in his work than you are. Have I hurt anybody's feelings yet? If I haven't hurt your feelings, stick around. I'll get to you after a while. You know, I I don't want to be fair. I want to defend everybody, all right? Now, the wiles of the devil. We can't stand against the devil in this life and in this world without the whole armor of God. And so he said, put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You and I are fighting a battle today. Let me be careful how I state this. Our enemy is not Armenians. Our enemy is not Calvinists. Our enemy is not liberals. Our enemy is not conservatives. Our enemy is not Democrats. Our enemy is not Republicans. Have I been fair in all of that? That's not who the enemies are. You know who the enemy is? It's Satan. It's the devil. Paul was clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, there may be some people who's doing the devil's work. <laughs> I've seen a lot of that, haven't you? But the real enemy is not those doing the devil's work. The real enemy is the devil. And he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God... That's, didn't, didn't we just read that up in the prior verse? Is Paul repeating himself? Is he getting old and senile and repeating himself? No, Paul is emphasizing something. We need to pay attention to this. Paul's repeating it because he wants us to pay attention. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What's the evil day? Now, right now. You know, I think in my life so often that it would have been better if Paul would have said, in the evil hour or the evil minute. You know, it's today. It's the day that we're living in. And having done all to stand, so here's the goal to stand, stand strong. And he said in verse 14 stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth. Now, when he starts out with that, Paul was probably looking or in his mind, if not physically, looking at a Roman soldier. And if a Roman soldier was was getting dressed and ready for battle, Paul starts with the basics. He starts here having your loins girt about with the truth. He's talking about putting on the inner garments. Now, truth. Now, we said a while ago that truth is a shield, didn't we? Isn't that what David said over in Psalm 91? So here's the thing that's the closest to us that is so important. Again, it's the truth. The truth of God's Word. The truth of God. He says, having your loins girt about the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, you remember when we first started talked about that Goliath had that shield, excuse me, had that target uh, upon his breast. Now, you've, you've heard about people saying you have a, you know, you're painting a target on your back or whatever. You ever wonder where that comes from? What Goliath had was, was this, basically it was a shield like a buckler, a smaller one, that was right around his chest to protect all his vital internal organs. We need something to protect our heart. What is that? Righteousness. Now, what you really need to protect you from the devil is your own righteousness and good works, right? No. Takes something better than that, doesn't it? You know, uh, having my own works, my own righteousness, uh uh, just to t- explain what that means, why that won't work, I read a book one time where a guy was trying to be funny, and he said that, that to protect yourself from a forty-five caliber bullet, hold a newspaper in front of you. You think that would be a very good shield? No. Neither are your own works of righteousness. This is the righteousness of God that it protects the heart. Now, how can that help us fend off the devil? How can that help us stand in the evil day? You know, when I see all the things that happen in my life, one thing that I can be assured of, Jesus paid it all. I need to be assured in my heart as I go out to fight the battles today that I am going to be in heaven. Why do I know I'm going to be in heaven? Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I have that protection. I don't worry uh, about how I'm going to get to heaven. That's been taken care of. So I can go into battle not having to worry about that. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation. I'm told that that word there, preparation, has a root meaning base. Base you know, a foundation. As we're getting ready to walk, we need to have our feet shod and prepared to walk in the battle and in the fight. Now we get back to our subject this morning, here in verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, the shield of faith, Now, we've seen where God is our shield. We've seen where the truth is our shield. We've seen where salvation is our shield. Now, Paul tells us that faith is our shield. So let's just assume that you and I are all carrying around this shield of faith with us. What does that protect us from? And he says, a shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, that wicked again is speaking of Satan. So here's the reason that we have faith faith is our shield, faith is to protect us from the fiery darts of satan now when do we need to carry this shield whenever we're in battle whenever we go about when is that evil day now remember we just mentioned that the evil hour the evil minute we need to be carrying this shield of faith each and every day when it talks about those fiery darts And some of you may have experienced something my family and I have experienced two times. Two times, years and years ago, our house was broken into and we were robbed. If I would have known the exact hour and minute, we would not have got robbed. I would have been there with my guns that have fell into the lake. You know, I would have been there to protect my home. Or I would have had police protection there or a bodyguard there. Now, my point is, we don't know when those darts are coming, do we? We don't know where they're coming. But let me just briefly give you a few scriptural darts that people have experienced here in this life. And I think when you see these darts that have happened in the scriptures, it's going to give you an idea the darts that have been hitting you in your life. And if you don't have your shield of faith, they're going to bother you. They're going to take you down. Let me remind you of the case of Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet. And you remember... We could, we, I'd love to talk about his experience on Mount Carmel, that sacrifice there, and when he defeated all of those, those prophets of Baal. And then when he was out in the wilderness hiding after that, he was shot with the era, the flaming era of discouragement. And Elijah was sitting there by himself. Lord, Lord. I mean, he was having a pity party. Y'all ever had one of those? You know, most of us like to have pity parties and like to invite as many people to it as we can so we can just, you know, enjoy one another's pity. All right? You know, misery loves company. Oh, Lord. I'm gonna, again, I'm going to paraphrase this. I believe this is in 1 Kings 17. 1 uh, Kings 19. Um, Elijah says, Lord, I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me. I mean, Lord, I mean, it's hopeless. The era of discouragement. Have you ever been shot with that era of discouragement? You know, Lord, I've done everything I could do. Elijah was sitting there, you know, killed all the prophets of Baal, fed the widow. During three and a half years of drought, done all these great things and done all I can do, Lord, it's over. I'm the last one. I can't do anything. No hope. That era of discouragement. It's hit me several times. Hasn't it hit you? You know what the Lord told Elijah? Get up. I ain't done with you yet. And there's 7,000 men I have reserved to me that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. What well, we need to remember when that errors of discouragement come in, God is in control, and he knows all, and he knows a lot more than we do. So we need that shield of faith that when those errors of discouragement come through, that shield of faith will stop it, and you can say, God is in control. I'm not on my own. I'm not on my own strength. Have you ever been hit with the arrow, the flaming dart of disappointment? Think about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, the, one, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, the one revered by all the people. And John the Baptist, who was strong spiritually and went in and told the king, it's not lawful for you to have this woman. You're committing adultery with her. And he was thrown into prison. And here the Savior had come. And John, I believe, is expected that he would be released from prison by the Savior. And he sent word to Christ. Art thou he who we should look for or another? I think John the Baptist was disappointed that he had been freed by the Savior. Have you ever been disappointed because God didn't give you what you wanted? That God didn't bless you to have what you thought you deserved? Have those flaming darts of disappointment attacked you from time to time? I think all of us could say, "Yep, yeah. We've had disappointments in life. Things didn't turn out like we wanted well you know what we should have we should have that shield of faith and when those fiery darts hit our mind and maybe it's in the middle of the night while you can't sleep maybe it's in the middle of the day but when that fiery darts you can take that faith and stop that and say I may not got what I wanted I may not got what I think was right but I know that God will give me what I need. That's what using that shield of faith means. Or perhaps, sometimes you've been shot with the flaming dart of wrath and vengeance. You know Saul, King Saul, had that flaming dart shot at him one time and it hit him and he was jealous over David and he took the spear in his hand and tried to kill David. Have you ever had that fiery dart of wrath to hit you in your heart? Now, I tell people this all the time. This fiery dart hits my heart all the time. I mean, there's some people I just want to walk upside the head with a two before. You know, we get that way every once in a while, don't we? Or what about Achan? Y'all remember Achan? After the armies of Israel had defeated Jericho, marvelous battle plan, and it was marvelous because it was God's, they defeated Jericho. And when they went up against battle to Ai, a little bitty city, they were routed in defeat. And what happened was there was a man by the name of Achan that when they went into Jericho they were told not to take anything there. And Achan was hit with the firing dart of greed and of covetousness and he saw a Babylonian garment, some silver and some gold. And he took and he hid it in his garment he took it home and buried it in the dirt beneath his tent. That's why Israel lost AI. Have you ever been hit with the fiery dart of covetousness? Of greed? Of wanting what somebody else has? Let me say, if you haven't been hit with that dart, you ain't normal. Y'all, English teachers, forgive me. But you ain't normal. We all have that from time to time, don't we? What does that shield of faith protect us in? Lord, I don't have as much money as the Rockefellers. I don't have as much money as Bill Gates. But Lord, you've given me what I need. You've given me the spiritual blessings that you can't even put a price tag on. We need to have that shield of faith, don't we? Or what about even King David? He was out one night walking and got hit with the flaming dart of lust and gave in. And we know what happened to that. That led to David murdering that woman's husband. Led to David having losing his fellowship with the Lord. Several of his sons he saw got died or got killed. David paid for that. What is the solution? That shield of faith that we need to protect us now we live as we mentioned before we live in a world that's shooting those arrows of flaming darts from satan to us each and every day you think you're strong enough to take all those hits in your body and be strong spiritually We need to put on the armor of God, don't we? God is our shield. Truth is our shield. We need to quench all those flaming darts. Now, let me close. I want to go to um, back to the Book of Proverb of uh, Psalm. I think it's in Psalm twenty-eight. And I want to close with this. And I hope I've accomplished at least something this morning. My goal was to encourage you, encouraging the fact that God is our shield and encouraging you in the fact that you need to raise your shield of faith as we go through this life. And here David in Psalm 28, verse 7, David says, The Lord is my strength, In my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. David put his trust in God. Instead of using a shield that he made himself, he used the shield of God. And as David went through his life with this shield of God, you know what he said? It worked. He says, I am helped. That shield of faith that David had. God helped David. You think it can help you? Certainly. Has it helped you in the past? Certainly. But here's what David finished that verse by saying. Therefore... Therefore, why? Because God has been my shield, because he has helped me, he said, there's something I'm going to do. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. That's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to rejoice. Why do I want you to rejoice? Because we're getting ready to go through tough times? Because we've just been through tough times? I want you to rejoice because God is in control. God is our shield. God is our help. We're going to get through all of the things, whatever it might be, no matter what happens. God is our shield, and we're going to win. And he says, therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. Let us be diligent in praising our shield, our God, because he gives us what we need, and he'll take us to heaven someday. May God bless you.